0: Is a game more fun or more interesting when you don't know what your opponents are up to? My name's Jonathan, and this is the Snakes Cast, the podcast for people who don't know as much about games as they'd like to. This week, we're talking about hidden scoring and hidden objectives, and what it feels like to play in the dark, metaphorically speaking. Welcome to the show, everyone. Special shout out before we begin to longtime listener Moklianto, who suggested this topic on Twitter. Joining me this week to talk about it are going to be Steve Tassie. Hello. And Todd Campbell. Hey. So let's actually set some terms here to find what we're really talking about. Hidden information in games is all over the place. There's a ton of stuff you don't know. If there's dice, you don't know how the numbers are going to come up. If there's cards, you don't know which ones you're going to draw. You don't know which ones the other players are holding. Uh, in games where there's teams, sometimes you don't know who's on your side. But we're not talking about those. We're not talking about like Shadowhunters and Bang and the Resistance with secret teams. What we're talking about here is something more like hidden scoring. You know, hidden, um, uh, hidden goals that you're trying to accomplish. Generally speaking, is this a mechanic that you guys are fond of?
1: Yeah, I uh, I like to have things that um, people have to kind of second guess me. Uh, I mean, it, you know, anyone who's listened to the podcast for a while knows that I love uh, I love games like Fury of Dracula. So, I mean, that's all hidden stuff.
0: But you hidden information there, yeah. sure. I
1: mean, the the, the other
0: the hunters—they don't know where Dracula is. They do know what your goal is, though.
1: Sure, they know what I'm. They know how many points my you overall have. goal, but how I choose to go about that can be very different, based on not only my choices but also on what encounters come up in my in my supply. But uh, just. I do like games where people have to try to figure out, oh, yes, what what is Steve up to? What is he doing? <laughs> How about you, Todd? Do you enjoy that process of figuring out what Steve is up to?
2: <clears throat> I do. I love that. I love having to change my strategy halfway through a game once uh, once I figure out what someone's actually going after. For me, that's a, that's a wonderful thing. I, I, I like games that have more... Uh, uh, that are more tactical instead of strategic, mm. necessarily. Some and I, short-term things. Yeah, yeah. So that, you know, if I'm doing this particular scheme and then I figure out, oh, that's what he's after, I have to readjust my plan. I love that in a game.
0: Okay. Well, there are a few ways you can do this. When we talked about secret teams, it's not really what we're after here. And similarly, uh, games with hidden traitors, uh, those, those are basically a form of secret team in mm. most cases. Uh, games with hidden movement and so on. Again, those aren't exactly hidden victory conditions. The hidden victory condition would be something like in Dune, for example. In Dune, the player is playing as the Bene Gesserit player picks one of their opponents and picks a number between 1 and 15, and if that player wins on that turn, that player didn't actually win. The Bene Gesserit player just won. <laughs> That's a secret goal. And of course, every time mm. the Bene Gesserit player starts helping somebody quite solicitously, everybody <laughs> gets really nervous.
2: <laughs> um
0: have you guys played Archipelago? I have. I have not. That one's got secret goals too, doesn't it? Secret it, points?
2: It does. So at the start of the game, you're each given a random secret goal card that when you fulfill that goal, you instantly win the game. Mm-hmm. There's also a general one, so you can you can win either with one or the other. Um, so there's first, a public
0: goal that anybody can win with? Yeah. And then there's a private goal that's just for you.
2: Yeah. Now, this the secret with games like that, also Discworld has secret goals within it. Suburbia does too. Yeah. Yeah is understanding what all those goals are so you can pick them out when you see someone going for them. Right. Uh, I think where people could get frustrated with this style of game is if it's the first time you're playing, you don't really know what the other goals are. You don't know when someone is actually going for that. Yeah, that you can't
1: thing. recognize a move that is signature of a particular style. Right. Of, they're they're yeah, going goal. for this
0: particular goal, obviously. If you don't know what all the goals are, then you can't recognize yeah. mm-hmm. that coming into place. How hard is it to to get a sense of what all the various possible goals somebody could be going for in a game of Archipelago?
2: Um, I mean, how many of
0: them are there? A dozen?
2: I don't even think there's that many. I think there's maybe seven. Okay. Maybe eight. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but... Uh, as long as you go through them at the start of the game, and uh, you, you know, teach those as part of your, I, I do when I when I'm teaching arch, arch, our archipelago, oh, <laughs> archipelago, then I would uh, I would teach each of those goals uh, so that people understand it. Just like in Discworld, if you don't understand the uh, endgame, can get conditions for each of the other players, then you're just playing in the dark, okay. which would really frustrate someone.
0: Dead of Winter is a cooperative game where everybody also has a secret goal. It's not exactly a team thing, but mm-hmm. in addition to accomplishing the group goal, kind of like an archipelago, you also have to accomplish your secret goal. Yeah. So there's a group goal that uh, has to be accomplished or else you all lose. Mm-hmm. And then in addition to the group goal, like we have to collect a certain number of zombie bits or collect a certain amount of fuel. My, my secret goal might be that I have to collect a certain amount of medicine. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm diabetic or something. But this is right. all medicine that the rest of the colony needs. And the fact that I'm hoarding it is not good for the group right. yeah. in general. That's
1: one of, the, one of the few times I've played Dead of Winter. That was the situation. The overall goal was we need medicine. My personal goal was, I'm the junkie. I need medicine. (laughs) So while I wasn't technically the trader, it was a huge portion of my decision-making in the game was, how much do I contribute to the main goal versus how much do I make sure that I got myself covered? Because if I went too far in the main goal... I'm not going to win because I blow my own objective but if I don't go far enough contributing to the main goal either A we just don't win or B somebody thinks I'm the traitor and, and decides and to exile the me colony. when when I'm not I'm just a selfish helper uh, <laughs> which everybody
0: is in that game yeah. unless they're an actual traitor yeah Okay, so what about hidden bonus points? We're not talking about uh, just a pa- pass-fail kind of thing. This is how you win, and it's a secret. Something more like, this is a way that you can score some extra points, and it's a secret. Something like Ticket to Ride, for example, the ticket cards in there. Or the secret identity of a character in Lords of Waterdeep, or the cards that you have in Princess of Florence or Agricola. You, you guys have all played all these games before, right? Yeah. How do you like the secret points in them? Do, you, do, do they work well? Do they add to the game?
1: I'm I'm fine with secret points. It's um, it can be frustrating. How so? Uh, well, uh, here we are. I'm going along. I'm doing my stuff. I'm I'm working on what I'm doing, and I see the state of the board, and then all of a sudden, bam! Out comes a chapel, and a library, and a university, and somebody else just won settlers. <laughs>
2: um,
1: so it, that can be a little bit. Um,
0: well, you knew they had those cards in their hand,
1: though, right? Sure. You know that the possibility is there, but that still doesn't that, that's help That's the rule the in settlers, right? Every time anybody has
0: any development cards in your hand, you add that many points to their score yeah. <laughs> when you're calculating whether or not it's a good idea to trade with them. Yeah. Yeah. What about the the tickets and Ticket to Ride?
2: Uh, you know, I like them. I actually think they're a lot more palatable to most gamers than a hidden victory condition. Awesome. How uh, Well, I just think... If uh, you're playing in a game and you're not quite sure how someone's going to win, it's harder to read the table. Whereas with hidden bonus points, you know they're out there. You're going for them as well, so you're constantly aware of them being a thing.
0: I think the, uh, the tickets and Ticket to Ride really make it what it is. You know, without the tickets, it's just a simple set collecting game. Yeah. By giving those, adding those tickets, those connections being those big bonus points, which mm. can either sink you or just give you the win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's kind of huge. The The problem with the tickets and ticket-to-ride, I find, is that you can't memorize the entire deck the way you do in Archipelago, memorizing yeah. what all the various different goals are. Mm-hmm. So if somebody starts building a trail, I might guess that they're trying to get to New York, mm-hmm. but it's still only a guess, which means blocking people in ticket-to-ride more often than not is, is accidental.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have seen... Um... A particular tactic used quite effectively in Ticket to Ride, where somebody will just build seemingly willy nilly through the the Rust Belt and the and the East Coast of the map, with with a few tendrils leading westward, and then spend the last five or six turns of the game taking tickets. Because if you have a sufficiently good network. From Boston, Washington, New York, Pittsburgh, Miami, Raleigh, like all that there are stuff. That many tickets there that connect are, East Coast cities. There are enough tickets that if you have, you know, one or two lines that go west, so you get to L.A. or you get to Seattle or you, you know, you get to El Paso, something like that. Plus, hitting a lot of East Coast cities by just taking tickets. Odds are, every round, one of those is going to be something that you're either already done, or you're very close to to being able to do in, like, oh, I need a a two-car train to finish this ticket. This this is like a very
0: advanced ticket-to-ride strategy. Yeah,
1: I have seen it work (laughs) amazingly, like blow out amazingly. (laughs) But it does have the potential to crash and burn. Uh, the, uh, the fact that those hidden bonus points are hidden even from you before
0: you draw those tickets <laughs> can kind of sink you there. What about something like um, Agricola or Lords of Waterdeep? Do you watch what the other players are doing in these worker placement games, trying to figure out what they're going after? Does that ever play a role in your strategy? Oh, certainly,
2: certainly. Yeah, yeah. In Lords of Waterdeep, I'm, I'm constantly looking at which quests they're taking uh, so I can hopefully stymie them from getting those additional bonus points at the end of the game. So I will actively hate draft <laughs> um, <laughs> certain quest types to keep them out of other players' hands. Is that something that most people
0: can do when they're playing something like Waterdeep? Or is that something that only a more advanced player is going to really
2: tweak to? Well, I don't know, because there's only so many different quest types. There's only five
1: types, but yeah. all the lords like two of them. Yeah, So you can usually spot at least one flavor of quest that someone is really... So he's taking a lot of arcana for. quests. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Guess which one um, they like the best. But
1: w- being able to narrow it down to, oh, he's definitely that Lord or that Lord can be can be trickier. Well, how
0: useful is that really when somebody can just go to the Cliff Watch Inn, flush away all the quests that are up, get four new ones, and then take whatever they like from the ones that arise?
1: Is, well, you never know that you're going to get one that you want. I've, I have gone to Cliff Watch Inn numerous times and mean, <laughs> like, okay, flush them out. Well, none of those are what I want. <laughs> yeah. These all suck. Uh, I personally don't pay a lot of attention to what other people are doing as far as their lord goes uh, and maybe that's why I don't win Watergate <laughs> a lot um, I've gotten much better at the game since getting the app uh, I play it a lot you can certainly get a
0: lot more practice games
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but uh, it's not a thing that I super focus on uh, I mean it can be a big enough chunk that really pleasing your lord can win you in the game um, but I find that that's not usually what does
2: it. Yeah, I find with Waterdeep, usually it's if you ignore it, then it's going to to come and uh, yeah, and, and, yeah, yeah, hurt you in the end. The,
0: uh, the The game that I think does hidden bonus points the best, or at least my favorite, was Nexus Ops. Mm. That's one where if if you beat somebody in battle, you get a point every time. But you also have a few little cards, and you get more each turn as the game goes on. You get another one. So that if you win a battle on this particular type of terrain, or if you win a battle and kill X number of this type of enemies, or with this type of your own troops, then you get one plus another. Mm -hmm. And it's those things that really give you the game. But there's so many different ones, it's not really possible to predict where your opponents are going to come up with. So on the one hand... It makes it deeper because it provides you with uh, with more ways of scoring. On the other hand, it makes it shallower because it's pretty hard for the other players to really fend against this. They might sort of hoard their energized cards, their little power-ups for times, and they realize, wait, mm-hmm. you really seem to want to win this battle a lot. There's clearly more than just one point at stake here. Mm-hmm.
2: But I think in a game like Nexus Up, that uh, that particular game really rewards aggression. So oh, yeah. I don't spend any time trying to figure out what card's in someone's hand. I just want to try and kill as many people as I can during <laughs> mm-hmm. that game because... It'll get me close to my victory condition, so i don't know I don't know that that is is a, a detriment to that particular game,
0: sure. the other players would fight you harder on the goals that you're trying yeah. to accomplish as well if they knew you had them
1: Something I like about secret goals is it gives you something to focus on mm. uh, and I think I find that's especially useful with new players in a game with a lot
0: of different things you can do, yeah. seeing it's like, well, if I do this thing, that's better,
1: yeah. Uh, and like specifically, we teach we teach Ticket to Ride a lot at the cafe, and people tend to look at it like, oh, where do I start? What do how, what, I can build anywhere? What and that freedom that the game provides can be daunting. I mean, as simple a game as it is, I think that goes for most games. If there's a sandbox element to it, new players are sort of at a loss for where to begin. But with those ticket cards and the secret goals in other types of games, having that thing to, okay, right, I want from here to there. If I can do that, I'm golden. Then it it helps uh, get them started.
0: Exactly. It gives them a shopping list. These are the things you need to do, and it narrows down the focus. Mm -hmm. It also, of course, provides them with a means of messing up the other players to a higher degree. Mm -hmm. True. Yeah. You can figure out where somebody's trying to get to. You can really ruin their entire day if you can figure out what their secret goal is Mm -hmm. or what bonus points they're going for. So there's one other fairly uncommon form of secret goal, and that is you being the only person who knows what color you are. Uh, The designer Leo Colvini is very big on this. Top Secret Spies, otherwise known as Heimlich & Company, which is a game I really, really wish would come back into print. And Clans (laughs) Mm -hmm. both do this. Uh, Simply Suspects, another game that I sort of get a lot of use said of, is a game where I know what color I am, I don't know what color anybody else is. All of these colors are on the board, they're all scoring points, they're all doing stuff. If I can figure out what color you are, then I know who to shaft. But there's always at least one dummy color that's not under control mm-hmm. of any player. And if you can figure out what that is, then I can oh I can pretend to be that. And mm-hmm. it turns out that, mm-hmm. uh, that, that, that somebody figures out that I'm that. That's good, because I'm not that. You guys ever play these kinds of games? You ever recommend them?
1: Uh, I have played Clans. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, played Cla- I played Clans quite a few times uh, when I first started going to Snakes as a customer mm-hmm. in, the, in the very early days. I liked it a lot. It's a neat game. Uh, Do you g- use it as a guru very much? Um, not much. Uh, I did a little bit in the early days, but um, you know the collection is double the size that it was <laughs> uh, when we opened, and so I have more options. And I've found that there are specific games that work better or just are easier for me to give to a customer. The secret
0: identity thing isn't really all that easy to grasp, especially for somebody who's new to games. Mm. Do you find that as well?
2: Um, Yeah, it can be. Now, unfortunately, I haven't played Clans, um, but would the Heron Tortoise would be kind of It kind of is. It kind of is
0: because you've secretly placed a bet on some of these racers and nobody knows who you've bet on. That's definitely a secret victory condition.
2: I've had a lot of, uh, a lot of success teaching and Tortoise and people grasping onto that concept there. So
0: and The fact that uh, you're betting on a race does a lot to... I think it does. Because yeah. people grasp that immediately. It just mm. makes sense. Yeah, you moving
1: lose... villages around the steppes and the plains is yeah. a little weirder to, to conceptualize. But Clans is a great game.
0: It's one that I actually don't recommend as nearly as often as I'd like to. We'll have to do an episode about top-secret spies sometime as well. Mm -hmm. But uh, between those, hidden victory conditions, hidden bonus points, and hidden identity, which one do you think is is, is best suited to Snakes games, and which ones do you enjoy the most? I think hidden bonus points is probably the best for the cafe. It really is. Just by providing that focus and that narrowness, not being Mm -hmm. an all-or-nothing, but something that you can do. All right, that's it for the Snakescast this week. If there's a topic you'd like to hear about, tweet it to us at Snakescast and keep listening. Music for the Snakescast is provided by Ben Sound. The show's produced by P.T. Douglas. The opinions expressed on the show come from the people in it, not the company behind it. Special thanks to my co-hosts, Steve Tassi and Todd Campbell. Thanks,
1: guys. Yeah, thank you. My pleasure.
0: See you next week, everyone.
1: Game on.